Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for turning into our midweek Q&A. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is Dave. Hey, Josh. He is the lead pastor here. He's the one that answers all of the great questions that you guys send in, so, you know. I attempt to answer all questions. Well, you do answer them. Yeah, that's true. There is an answer. answer Whether it's good or not, (laughs) who knows? I think they're at least somewhat decent. (laughs) People keep watching. So they got to be decent on some level. Um, Today, we're talking about forgiveness. Oh, man, that's that's a that's a complicated subject. I've been practicing this every time I turn on the New England Patriots. I just forgive them for how awful they are and how much just a few years ago we were the top dog every you single were. year. Yeah. So now you were. not being good and I just I just forgive them. Ah, what so. goes around comes around, right? Yep, to every for sure. team eventually. For sure. But at least I know we'll be good again before the Lions probably win a playoff game. So Ooh, ouch, Josh. <laughs> that one was this is now a permanent record, you know. This could yep, be that's fine. All right. That's fine. We have you on video saying that if you were a betting man, Easy. you would take the Lions over the Packers, and then the Packers proceeded to win. And I cheered for their victory every step along the way, Josh. It had nothing to do with shifting allegiances. <laughs> it's the ability to think rationally, even though my heart wants me to go a different direction. Got you okay? Did that choke up? Water? <laughs> water down the wrong pipe. <laughs> oh, that was immediate God going like, don't talk about the Lions yeah. that way. <laughs> Alrighty, so we're going to talk about forgiveness, which kind of ties into our message from this past Sunday. Yes, it does. So, in a can big you way. give us a quick breakdown of our message from this past <clears throat> Sunday? Yeah. Okay. So, in our serious gifts exchange, we talked on Sunday about how if we'll give God our hurts, He'll give us His healing. Everybody hurts. We've all been wounded, and dealing with those wounds can be. Very difficult, especially the significant ones that you can't just shake off and get over. So we spent most of our time learning that in order to give God our hurts, it means that we have to entrust ourselves to God's treatment program. We entrust ourselves to him and then follow his guidance on how to actually overcome emotional wounds that have been done to us in the past. So... Um, We kind of highlighted the major features of what God's treatment program is. So we talked about, you know, should, you know, first of all, should love cover it or do I need to deal with it? And then if I do need to deal with it, you know, what are the steps that I need to take in order to deal with it successfully? And to do so, we need to do things like airing our grievances lamenting, getting out everything that we feel and think, you know, uh, before the Lord. That's where healing is always going to begin. Um, and, and then after we've taken that particular step, we need to follow the leadership of God's spirit, um, along the way, um, in making sure that we're dealing with the wound, um, in, uh, an appropriate way. So that's kind of the direction we went in our message. Awesome. It was a very good message. If you haven't listened to it yet, I highly encourage you to do so. You can go on YouTube or Facebook and you can go back to this past Sunday and you can watch the message um, and the one before that, this gift exchange series. It's been a very good series um, cool. for end of the year holiday time. So. Yeah, hopefully it's a, it's a really inspirational and yeah. hope-filled series. Yes, absolutely. So let's go ahead and let's dive into our first question. This first question comes or says, how is it possible to forgive someone who has ruined your life whoa we're gonna start really heavy yeah we're just going right That's into a heavy it. question first 
to the person who asked the question, um, I'm really sorry that you encountered that level of trauma in your life. Um, I respect that. I feel that that is incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. So a question like this comes out of a pretty significant yeah, amount of sure. uh, amount of pain. Um, and um, I, I I also look at it and and I go, um, it's not possible on your own. Hmm. It would be impossible, I think, for any of us to forgive a trauma that deeply just left to our own strength, our own wisdom, our own ability. The beautiful news is, is that you don't have to deal with it alone. We have Jesus and his spirit to empower us. We have his word to guide us. And we have a Christian community to support us in dealing with significant past trauma. So I'm going to do my best to try to answer the question. But I, 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 want to, I want to encourage the one who asked the question or anybody that's faced this level of yeah. trauma in their life to take two bold steps. And I know they're risky. I know they're going to be hard. But here's, here would be my challenge. The, the first step that I would ask you to take is get Christian counseling. Mm, for sure. Go to someone who is trained and skilled in experience in helping to unravel all of the layers and nuances of deep emotional trauma and guide you into understanding how to look at it and how to deal with it. Mm. Um, so I'd really encourage the person to do that. And then second, I would encourage the person to find a tribe, a, a small group of people that can go through the healing journey with you for sure, so that they can know what's going on. They know what you're being told. They know how you're feeling, how you're responding. They can support you. They can help hold you accountable for what you've agreed to do. And if, if, we, if we have a counselor who can help us navigate the process and a tribe that can surround us and support us in the process, We've got a really good shot, Josh, for sure, of coming to the deepest of emotional trauma. So, really encourage that to be done. So, I know that that simply an answer to one question isn't going to fix right. a problem. Those things will really help long term. Now, let me let me see if I can help. You know how how is it possible to do it? I, I think there are several things that are important for us to practice as a part of a holistic answer to the question. First and foremost, stay open to God. Mm -hmm. When we're hurt, when I'm hurt, when interviews are hurt deeply, we want to close ourselves off. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, the clam that shuts the shell and holds it there. It's because I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to, right. I don't want to be irritated again. And unfortunately, we, we could do that to God just as much as we do any person here on earth. So force your heart to stay open to God because the only way to really go through this process successfully and get back to full health and functionality is to be a spiritual person. And a spiritual person is an individual in whom the spirit of God is acting powerfully. 
We're filled by his spirit. I know it sounds like a freaky term, I know, but to be filled with God's spirit simply means that our that the sails of our life are fully open to the wind of God's spirit. And when he moves us, we respond. Mm. When he speaks to us in his word, we respond. When he prompts us to do something in life, we respond. We embrace the spiritual disciplines of prayer and Bible reading and corporate worship and learning. Um, we serve other people because what these spiritual disciplines do in part is help keep our heart open to God. So that's where it all begins. Pry your heart open, work to keep it open every single day. It, it's all going to flow from there. Yeah. That would be the first thing that I would say. And then... Um, after you keep your heart open, I, I, I think this will be a big factor. Grow in your appreciation of how much you've been forgiven. Hmm. Jesus told this fascinating story, intriguing story. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 18, and it's often called the parable of the unmerciful servant. And in the story Jesus is telling, he says, there's this very wealthy man who is calling people into account for debts owed. <clears throat> the very first person that he calls owes him, in Jesus' story, uh, 10,000 bags of gold, or 10,000 talents, it will say in some. A talent was equivalent to about 20 years' worth of wages for the average worker. And he go 10,000 talents. I'm going to do the math. So, yeah, so do the yeah, do the I'm math real curious. quick. But I think what we're going to find is the debt will be an impossibility for anybody to be able to pay off, right? It's 200,000. 200,000 years yep. of wages. Okay, the guy is not going to work that off. But the guy falls on his knees and he says, please be merciful to me and I will pay you back everything I owe you. Well, the landowner knows that can't be happened. But it says he, he had mercy on him. And he did something incredible. He goes, I'm just going to cancel your entire debt. Well, the guy gets up feeling pretty good, as I would feel pretty yeah. good in that situation. It's like, I am freed from that obligation. Ama amazing. Dave Ramsey would be very happy. He would be thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> so as the guy is walking back home, still high over what just happened, he runs into somebody that happens to owe him some money. Now, in the amount that Jesus referred to, um, it, it amounted to about 100 days wages. So that's a debt you could pay. It would take a while, but you yeah. could pay that thing off, right? About 100 days wages. And the guy says, I need my money. Well, the guy falls down on his knees and says the exact same words that this guy said when he was called into yeah. account for 200,000 years of wages. And the guy goes, please forgive me and I will pay you back everything. But this man looks at the one who owed him money and said, no. What I'm going to do instead is I'm going to throw you into jail until you've paid me or find a way to pay back everything you owe me. The really wealthy landowner who forgave the debt hears about it, calls a guy back in and said, after all I forgave you, you can't forgive somebody this? 
And then he goes, I've changed my mind. I am not canceling your debt and you're going to be through, you and your family are going to be thrown into jail until you pay me back everything. This is a profound story. Mm. And there are multiple lessons we can draw from it. But here's one relevant to the question. When we have a deep appreciation for how much we've been forgiven, we become capable of forgiving other people Mm -hmm. their debts against us. That's the point. So often, Josh, we get over our salvation. We get over the fact that we were utterly guilty before God, that we owed him a moral debt we could never repay. Mm. And because of that, true justice would mean us spending eternity separated from God in a lake of fire. That's, that's justice. For sure. But that God in Christ wiped that debt out. And we should never get over the fact that we have been forgiven so much. And in that gratitude for what we're, we've been forgiven, we can then to other, turn to other people who no matter how they wounded us, it doesn't equal what we've done to God. Mm. No matter what they owe us, it doesn't, matter to, it doesn't compare to what we owed God. And we ought to be able to look at them and go, man, I know how amazing it is to be set free. I'm going to set free. I'm going to forgive you as well. The Apostle Paul was so good at this. The Apostle Paul was so forgiving of everybody that wounded him very deeply. And one of the secrets to the Apostle Paul being so good at forgiving others was he was deeply appreciative, appreciative for what he had been forgiven. Mm. I, it's fascinating what he says in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. He says, without a doubt, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That all by itself is the most hopeful statement I can think of. Then he adds this, of whom I am the worst. Some versions go, of whom I am foremost, or I am chief. The word means first in line, head of the class, everybody behind me. Paul said when it comes to a sinner who was guilty and needed salvation, nobody's a bigger sinner than me. I find something so amazing there. I think I can find many other people, even in Paul's day, that were bigger sinners than Paul. They'd done more heinous crimes than Paul, but he was giving an honest opinion of himself. He had grown so much as a Christian that he had a deeper appreciation for the depth of his own sin and was more amazed that they could all be forgiven the moment he wrote that statement than he was the day he first came to faith in Jesus. As we mature as a Christian, we become more and more aware of the depth and breadth of our sin. And that should cause us to be appreciative for what he's forgiven us and make it easier to pass that along to other people. There's a, there's a little trap here. Because as you grow as a Christian and you become more aware of your sin, it's easy to begin condemning yourself. But the idea behind discovering the depth of our sin is not so that we would involved in self-loathing or condemnation, but we'd have greater appreciation for that that our death has, that has been wiped out. Yeah. So 
Force your heart open. Stay open before God. That's where it starts. Grow in your appreciation of what you've been forgiven. And then, and then third, I, I would say, by faith. Not by feeling, because you won't feel it. By faith, decide you're going to practice biblical forgiveness. Mm. Biblical forgiveness is not a feeling it's not a, I'm going to let go of all of my bad emotions and hurts. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness isn't a way of going, oh, everything's okay now. It's not what it is either. In its most elementary form, forgiveness is making a promise not to use a person's sin against them anymore. You make the promise, then you keep the promise. Making the promise is hard. To look at the person who wounded you this deeply and go, I am not, I'm going to let go of my desire to see you punished or to punish you for what you've done to me. I'm not going to bring up your sin against me to punish you ever again. It's a promise that I make. Keeping the promise is even harder because when that desire comes back, we have to say no to that desire. We have to lean into God. And we have to do our best to keep that promise in how we think, what we say, and what we do. But it's that promise. We do that by faith. And here's the cool thing. When by faith we decide to make and do our best to keep the promise, as we go through that process, we ourselves find freedom. Hmm. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, that if... If we forgive others, we're forgiven by God. If we don't, we're not. You mentioned this in the post show on Sunday, Josh. You talked about how we're like in jail, but we have, we have the key to let yep. ourselves out. Um, and, and one of the things that that means when Jesus made that statement is if we'll forgive, it frees us from moving beyond the wound done to us. There is no moving on until we practice forgiveness. Yeah. So it's critical that we do that for our own sake as well as for, you know, that individual person. We can only move beyond it when we're willing to do it. Yeah. And here's the cool thing. As we make that promise and keep that promise and work at keeping it, we mess up, we get forgiveness and we keep, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that promise. We, we not only get free to be able to move beyond it, but the emotional trauma begins to diminish and eventually we can be healed of it. Because Jesus said that if we know what he said and do it, we will be blessed. We will be happier as a result. The emotional, um, the positive emotions develop as a result of the ongoing obedience to what we know it is that God asked us to do. So practice it. It gets easier as you go through time. Mm -hmm. It's like Paul reminded us in Galatians chapter 6. Um, don't grow weary in doing good. For at the right time, you'll reap a harvest. If you just don't lose heart, yeah. keep going and things will change. So keep your heart open to God. Lean into how much you've been forgiven. By faith, practice biblical obedience. And then a fourth thing that I think will be really helpful, realize that 
the trauma done to you can't ruin your life. Oh, did it hurt? Yes. Did it make things way more difficult? No question about it. But here's a principle we see repeatedly in Scripture, Josh. The quality of our life is not determined by what's done to us, but it's determined by our response to what is done to us. What I choose to do is 99% of the quality of life I have, not what has been done to me. The beautiful story of Joseph found in the book of Genesis, and we've talked about this in the recent past, is a beautiful illustration that when we are sinned against deeply and it just seems to crush the quality of our life, If we'll stay faithful to God and act with integrity in the end, we will be blessed immeasurably by our faithfulness through the trauma and through the wound to the place that we'll realize God brought more good into my life through the wound than I could ever experienced it without Mm -hmm. it. So it hasn't ruined your life. In Jesus, you're more than an overcomer. Yeah. And so by faith, realize that is true. Keep your heart open. Appreciate how much you're forgiven. Practice biblical forgiveness and then realize God will bring such good into your life as you do those things that it will far exceed anything that was ever done Mm -hmm. for you in the past. For sure. Absolutely. Thank you for tackling that. Um, This is one of those topics where whenever we answer one question, a lot of it can overlap into Mm. the other Mm -hmm. questions. Um, Absolutely. So as we're going through these next couple of questions, make sure that you guys remember what Pastor Dave just said. I'll try to remember what I just said. The good thing is you can back up and you can listen to it again. Um, So because there's a lot of principles that we can take from each question, we can apply it Mm. to other questions. Mm. So I think that's very important to know. So the next one says, should you forgive people who aren't sorry for what they did? Oh, wow. Yeah. I have read a lot about the subject of forgiveness. Books, articles, videos, right? I've looked at, I think, all the passages that deal with forgiveness. And here's what I found. I have found that this is actually a more complex question than one might initially imagine. And there are really good Christians who are deeply devoted to the scriptures who come down on both sides of this issue. Just knowing that means we should be humble in our answer, (laughs) realizing that there's always pushback on both sides. So here's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to share how I make sense of this. That's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do. One thing we can all agree on is our forgiveness of others is modeled after God's forgiveness of us. Forgive others even as God in Christ's sake has forgiven you, right? So that no, everybody agrees, yep, that's the model. So let's look at God's forgiveness, that our forgiveness is to be modeled after. There are two types, kinds, areas of forgiveness that God gives and that's recorded in the scripture. One kind of forgiveness is what we might call judicial forgiveness. Mm -hmm. This kind of forgiveness is when you are released 
from the penalty for a crime that you've been committed. Mm. We're told in Acts chapter 10 and verse 43 that the prophets foretold that in Jesus Messiah, there would be forgiveness of sins. Yeah. In other words, all of my punishment that I deserve for all of the sin that I have ever committed against God can be, I, I can be let go of that punishment. I can be set free from the punishment of the crimes that I committed and I am guilty of. That's a judicial forgiveness. There's also what we might call relational forgiveness. First John 1 John 1.9 says this. It says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's addressed to Christians. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought we were already forgiven. And yet here we are going, we have to confess our sins. And if we do, then he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Well, that kind of forgiveness is not talking about God punishing us for our sins. It's talking about God going, I want to restore you into a healthy relationship yeah. with me. I want us to be fully reconciled. I want us to be in sync with each other. So I think, at least for me in making sense of this, when I understand that there are two layers, two aspects of forgiveness, judicial and familial, punishment for crime and restoration of relationship, that that helps me to make sense of all the passages in the Bible that talk about us forgiving. So first, in the judicial sense, I forgive everyone for their sin against me, no matter what it is that they have done, even when they haven't asked. Here's why. I am not granted the authority from God to be able to punish anyone for their sin. I'm not. God himself is the one who judges people for their sin. He's also granted a measure of that responsibility to human organizations. Civil government has the authority to judge lawbreakers in order to restore peace and culture. The church has the authority to judge uh, morally unrepentant professing Christians in order to restore the testimony of his church in the world. Parents have the authority to judge, punish the sins of their children in order to instill with them, them a right sense of behavior. Now, all the punishments don't look the same, right. but they're, they're still granted to civil government, the church, and parents the authority to bring a measure of judgment. God has the absolute right. I don't as an individual person. So when someone sins against me, I have a desire to punish them and it's a just desire, but I don't have the authority to. So what I do is I let go of, and that's the essence of the word forgiveness, to let something go. I let go of my desire to punish that person. And instead I decide I'm going to treat them with kindness and graciousness in spite of their sin against me. And I do that without them even asking. Mm. Relational forgiveness is a different matter. 
Relational forgiveness is the kind of forgiveness I can only give if someone asks for it. Because a relationship can't be restored. We can't be back in sync with each other. We can't be at peace with each other until the offending person acknowledges I've, I've done something bad to you and I'm sorry for that and I want to be back in sync with you. When they ask for that forgiveness, then we grant that forgiveness. And, and Jesus said in Luke uh, chapter, uh, I think it's 17, he said, even if it's seven times in one day for the same thing, you forgive. In Matthew 18, it's even if it's 70 times seven in total, you just keep forgiving. So when the person asks for forgiveness, we grant forgiveness relationally so that we can be back in sync with each other. So the answer to the question, do we forgive people who aren't sorry for what they did, is yes and no. Judicially, we do. We let go of our desire to punish it. We entrust judgment to God and any relevant human authority. But when it comes to relationally, a restoration, then it requires an acknowledgement on their part of what they have done. Then we can grant the forgiveness so we can be back in sync with that person. Yeah, for sure. Let's go ahead and dive into this last one because this also ties into this one. Okay. Um, If you forgive someone, do you need to pretend like nothing bad happened? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, okay. I get the question. The answer to that is no. That's not what forgiveness means. So everything we just talked about plays into this, Mm -hmm. answering this question, or at least the the aspect of this question that the previous answer uh, touched on. Um, Let's talk about judicial forgiveness. I'm going to release you from my desire to punish you myself for what it is that you've done. Um. That forgiveness means I'm going to treat you graciously and kindly in in spite of the fact of what you've done for us. But it doesn't mean that what I'm going to do is give up on the notion of justice. I'm going to entrust justice to God, civil authorities, or any other institution that has a God-given say in the matter. I'm not going to avenge myself but I can appeal to other authorities. This, see, it's this letting go of, of the, the desire to avenge yourself for the crime, the sin against you, that judicial forgiveness is all about. When, and, and I, and I, and I want to read this, so let, let, me, let me look it up real quick. Um, when we're told in the book of Romans, chapter 12, And this is right before civil authorities being, Paul saying they have the right to avenge those that have done things that are wrong. We're told this, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. That quote is taken from the Old Testament 
um, Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 22, where it says, do not say, I will pay back for, I will pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord and he will avenge you. So in judicial forgiveness, I'm not going, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to punish you. I'm not going to avenge myself. I'm going to entrust vengeance to God and other authorities. Hmm. But appealing to those authorities for justice is totally appropriate to do. So you don't pretend like it didn't happen. It might be you need to tell governmental authorities. It might be you need to tell the church. Very possible. But you seek justice. So you don't pretend that nothing ever happened. In fact, love would compel you to do this for the good of everyone and even for the good of the offending person. So you don't pretend like nothing ever happened. It's why pursuing a criminal case against someone who sinned against you significantly is not incompatible with forgiveness. Hmm. It's simply not. Now, what about when it comes to relational forgiveness? There's a distinction. When I forgive someone because they ask for forgiveness relationally, I am going, okay, now the barrier between us is removed and we can be back in sync with each other because we agree on on the wrongness of what you've done, okay? However, we don't then just pretend like nothing ever happened because while forgiveness is granted merely for asking, the reestablishment of trust requires that it be earned. Mm. Now, minor infractions, first-time infractions, you can, you can regain full trust right away. But if you've repeatedly sinned against someone in the same way, or you've wounded them deeply, then that trust that a relationship needs to actually function well has got to be earned back over time. It's like if you've got a child that you discover has been sneaking out of the house at night and drinking, you don't, that child can go, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. You know what we do? We go, I forgive you. But we don't trust them right away. We have to ensure that there are boundaries that make it harder for them to repeat the offense. So I forgive you, but I don't trust you. Um, if someone, if a friend you find out is gossiping about you to other people, you can forgive them if they ask for forgiveness, but you're not going to bear your soul to them again until they've demonstrated that they are trustworthy again. That is totally a legitimate thing. You can't, I, I heard this said one time, love it, stuck in my head. You can't talk your way out of what you behaved your way into. You've got to demonstrate that you can be trusted after that trust has been violated. So the withholding of a full measure of trust is not incompatible with relational forgiveness because trust needs to be earned back. Forgiveness says, I'll let you earn it back, but you've got to earn it back. Is it possible that some trust is so violated the relationship can never go back to the way it was? Yes, it is. For instance, um, Jesus said that if in a marriage one of the spouses commits adultery, 
that it may very well be that even though you forgive that person, you can never trust them enough to carry on in the relationship the way that it was. And Jesus said, under those unique circumstances, divorce would even be allowed. Whoa. God hates divorce. Not divorce people. He hates divorce because of the trauma. But he recognizes that a violation of trust can be so significant that there's no really going back to the way it was before. You don't have to be divorced. We always counsel people, try to reconcile when there's been marital unfaithfulness. But sometimes it's just not capable of doing it, and we recognize that. So there are times when the trust can be so violated, we can't go back to the way that it was. So again, this is not pretending like it didn't happen. It's recognizing that, yes, I forgive you relationally, but trust has to be re-earned. And it's even possible that some trust has been so shattered we can never go back to the way things were before. So within forgiveness, whether it be judicially or relationally, it still isn't pretending that things didn't happen. There's still a wise factoring in of the past in deciding what the best way to proceed forward is. For sure. Absolutely. Well, those are tough issues. Those are very, I mean, those, very those are tough. hard. I mean, forgiveness, especially in the world we live in today, oh, can be man. very tough because yeah. a lot of the news outlets and social media, well, actually like all the news outlets and social media and all that says, look through your lens of offense. If yes. something offends you, right. something offends you, carry that offense because you can never be wrong. So and this is definitely a good people topic. people off for it. Yep. For sure. And that is the antithesis of what Jesus taught us. It's the antithesis yep. of true Christianity. We don't cut people off who have offended us, who have sinned against us, ever. Yeah. There are ways of dealing with it that are healthy for us, healthy for the offender, and Josh, healthy for culture, mm -hmm. so that we can actually live at peace with each other. Yeah, for sure. If you have uh, any other questions about forgiveness or any other topic um, or anything that has to do with the Bible, you can go to my3c.org on our website to go and submit a question there. Uh, every Wednesday, Dave and I sit down, um, and Dave goes in, and he tackles these questions. Thank you for tackling these questions today. Oh, my today. pleasure. My um, pleasure. I mean, it was only three questions, but with the topic of forgiveness, we could have <laughs> sat on one of these questions for like an hour easily. and just easily dived into it because easily there's just gosh. so much meat in the Bible to talk about whenever it comes to the so many stories and everything so i and encourage when, you and josh when you if, if you i'm sorry for interrupting no, when when you we can hear principles and we can even buy into the principles but then there's always the fogginess and murkiness of but what about this situation hmm. how does it apply in this one so it's very common it's human to go yes i agree with that principle but help me to understand how it fits in this scenario yeah. so if you've got one like that but you don't want it asked in public like this yeah. because maybe you go, if I did that, people know who I am, then let us know when you submit the question and we'll get back to you personally to try to help you with the application yeah. because we won't bring it into a public forum unless you've given us permission because yeah. you just asked the question. Yeah. For sure, absolutely. What Dave said. <laughs> what Dave said. Um, just something I want to remind you guys of coming up very soon is our Christmas Eve services. Yeah. I know it's crazy. I think like today's what, December 6th? Six, yes. Yeah, that's 
We're absolutely like days till Christmas. crazy to think oh, about my. that Christmas is right around the corner. Our Christmas Eve services are 17 and 18 days away, respectively. On Christmas Eve Eve, so Saturday, December 23rd, we have three services at 2.30, 4, and 5.30 p.m. And then on Christmas Eve, we have three services at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. All these services are identical. We highly encourage you to come and attend one, but to also serve one. We have a lot of people that normally don't come to church that are most likely going to be coming at our Christmas Eve service, and we want to show them the love of Christ through everything we do here. So we really, really encourage you to serve at one of these Christmas Eve services. It would be a huge help for us. But thank you so much for turning into our Q&A. Again, if you have any questions at all, you can go to my3c.org and go to the Submit a Question tab right at the top. If you've ever connected with us before, we would absolutely love for you to do that. You can just scan that QR code um, on the bottom of your screen right now. But until this upcoming Sunday or our next Q&A, we hope you guys have a great week. <laughs>